This is uh, Gregory Rutchick, and you're listening to First Marathon Podcast. I am at G-A-R-U-T-C-H. It is October 9th, and I think the last podcast you listened to was wrong. It was not three weeks away. It's two weeks away. Uh, It is two Sundays from this past Sunday, less than two weeks away. Uh, Today is Yom Kippur, which is uh, the Jewish Day of Atonement I'm not going to get into that, but it is an awesome day for those of you who like to do internal work and uh, kind of peel away the layers of self and kind of get to the essence. Uh, How does one do that? Well, running is one way. Uh, Meditation and running together is one way that I do it. Um, You know, one of the things that is very clear to me Uh, in this two weeks before the marathon is that the body will always have something going on. I don't know that you can train 16 weeks for a marathon and not have some little ache. Uh, My left cat, my left left, uh, knee um, tendon is is my issue right now. Um, It's not hurting. I can feel it though. Yesterday I had a really, really deep massage at the gym, spoke to my my trainer, and she suggested I go get a deep tissue massage, Um, and um, that's where we are. Welcome back to First Marathon Podcast. This is Gregory Rutchick at G-A-R-U-T-C-H, or you can text me. At 650-224-2621. You've caught me now. It is Thursday, the 10th. We are uh, rolling. I'm rolling my left quad, um, reminding you that uh, we are about less than two weeks from the Ventura Marathon. And I've got this left clicking knee, which is definitely an IT band, tight IT band. Um, I, uh, was advised to get a deep tissue massage or some physical therapy. So on, I forget what day it is. Let's see. Must have been Tuesday. I did. Got a nice deep, uh, roll on my left, on both sides, but mostly focusing on my left quads and my, you know, above my knee. Um, and, uh, after sitting all day yesterday and fasting, I am... Just trying to work out the uh, whatever built up, you know, I would say lactic acid, but I don't know that's what it is. But, uh, you know, there's no pain. Um, doesn't hurt me to walk, but uh, it's tight. You can, I can feel and heal, hear the clicking. Now, I have, this is about two weeks, I think this started. Um, I have, uh, which is longer than most of my quote-unquote niggles or injuries, um, Sure, I'm a little nervous about it. Um, what I'm doing is, is you know, the, the quad muscle is split into two uh, lateral strips of muscle. One goes on the inside of the knee and one goes on the outside. And they attach to ligaments, obviously, around the, uh, the knee, um, the lower bone of the leg. We're going to skip the anatomy lesson for my lack of... Uh, confidence that I've got them right, but we know that the big bone is the femur, 
That goes, I believe, from the femur head of the hip down to the knee. And then you've got the tibia and the fibula. But I think the fibula is the small one in the back, but I'm not sure it's relevant. Uh, wow, I maybe have known it, knew it after all. Anyway, the ligaments attach around. So what we're doing is we're trying to roll both strips of muscle just down to the um, connection point of the ligament. Now I'm on the I'm on the outside of the left knee, just above. I'm on the outside of the left knee, just above the patella, which is really my point of point of focus. I'm really just um, I'm laying with my uh, my foot is off the ground. My leg is on a, I think, a 10-inch foam ball, nice firm ball. Um, and I am just literally just letting the weight of my leg and pushing my muscle into the ball. Now, we all have different pain um, thresholds. Um, I've been rolling and even having people walk on my legs for uh, five years, six years maybe longer. Um, so my legs and body are used to tremendous pressure. I mean, it's still, still tough. I mean, it's not like it's, there's obviously if it were all goopy and soft, um, then I wouldn't be having a problem, but I can come up upon a flexion point and, um, just, you know, try to relax my hips, uh, try to relax the point itself and, um, relax the abdomen and the shoulders. I mean, this is a lot of what it's like out there on the road, marathon training. I mean, this is marathon training for me. I'm, I am in it, uh, pretending in many ways, but not having to pretend that this is the run that I have a tightness or a niggle that happens. And I'm just going to kind of like relax the body uh, relax at the site of the niggle, the site of the the incident, so to speak, and breathe and try to create space in my body for it, because it's energy, to dissipate or move. Um, not going to put my mind directly on it and start to inquire about why it's there and what happened and is it going to get worse. That's That's past and future kind of th thinking. I'm just going to actually keep my mind sitting on that, sitting on the fence, watching it um, from afar, and let my body uh, find space after I give it space by relaxing um, around it and in other parts of my body, even all the way up to my shoulders and my hands. Um, you know, the whole body can take it, can find space, almost like an octopus finds space between a tight rock uh, to move through. Um, so as I roll and I come upon these, these tighter, you can hear the pauses in my voice, tighter kind of muscle fibers that I'm just rolling over, I'm just going to relax through it. Now, you know, visualization, it's interesting. I'm um, not sure I've spoke about this before, but Stephanie Bruce, who's an Olympian, I think I spoke about her. She's running Chicago this weekend four days and uh, she's tapering. So she's in a, in a week of tapering and, and two things that kind of confuse me about marathon training. The first one is tapering. You know, what is tapering? Tapering basically means that you are no longer running hard and long, um, but you are keeping your muscles active. 
um, you know, it's potentially you can lose uh, your some of your buildup if you do nothing. Some people do nothing, though, so that isn't always true. But taper basically means not laying in bed and eating cereal, um, but basically changing your activity from a training mode of fast runs, weightlifting, um, hill repeats to slower runs, slower, less, less mileage, and uh, just keeping the body, keeping the body loose, maybe doing stretching um, more, more than usual. Um, tapering, so tapering still confuses me. How long should you taper? You know, some people, everybody's different. Um, you know, some people taper for a week, some people taper for two weeks before the race. And if you look at anybody's training schedule, you will see different coaches, different famous coaches, um, all have their theories on it. But I think, you know, <clears throat> I'm only three marathons in, so I don't have enough of my own experience. But the bottom line is, is I have to develop it to know, um, was this enough of a taper? Not as, not as much taper. This, this particular marathon training cycle was the longest in terms of my ability to do runs. Um, you know, you'll remember my first marathon, New York. I was scared as shit because I had that pull, that pulled right upper calf. I believe it was the soleus right under behind the knee. Not, not right behind the knee, but, you know, above, uh, in the back of the calf, just below the knee. You know, not in the joint area, but in the top of the calf. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, the rest is history. It worked out fine. I biked, though. Um, biking was huge, and I swam. Um, so I did that during the taper. For Los Angeles, I was, I was remote, meaning that my coach was in New York. I trained here, so she couldn't eyeball me. We did, you know, some FaceTime, and I sent her some videos when I had issues, injury issues. But I, had, um, I was able to train longer then, too. But uh, I have to look back at my schedule to see how long and what I did every day. Um, <clears throat> I think this basically uh, reminds me to tell you that my primary objective is to stay in the day. Today is a uh, day where I'm going to run six kind of slowish miles. I think I'm going to do some strength. I've got to look at my schedule. And I'm rolling now, but that's an everyday thing. So I'm going to basically try to stay in each mile during the marathon. And uh, this is kind of becoming an interesting lesson for life. Um, run the mile you're in. Stay in the day you're in. It's not always possible. You know, we all have responsibilities that things that have to be done tomorrow, things that have to be started today that have to be then finished or pursued tomorrow. So you can't forget about uh, tomorrow, um, but I think focusing on today, wow, this right quad is friggin' tight at the top, right below or maybe in the hip flexors, and then I just move past it. But running the mile you're in and running the, running the mile you're in as a life plan is something that uh, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts about. Um, what is that like? Well, um, I think I've talked about this before. Um, you know, one thing someone offered to me was to dedicate a mile to someone 
each mile to someone. And that's a beautiful thing because the mind then can go deeply into the relationship, into the person, into your feelings, and into memory, which is a nice distracting um, practice. That's, that's a practice which you can say the pluses and the minuses. You can hear them in my voice. The other practice is what I call a light scan. So the mind is just scanning the body and following every sensation, um, almost like think of the every sensation as a different small symbol, C-Y-N-B-A-L, not S-Y-M. I mean, I, maybe they're spelled, they could be spelled similarly, but they're not the same spelling. So when you feel a sensation or a thought, just hit the symbol and let it reverberate, but then go back to the seat of the drum, which is your kind of observant self, and wait for the next thought or sensation to come, and then that symbol will be rung. Um, not making any symbol, pun intended and metaphor taken, no one thought being more significant or one sensation being more significant than the other. So I often repeat the mantra, there is no problem, there is no problem, there is no problem, there is no problem, there is no problem. That is my reminder to just come back to the seat, come back to kind of an observer self. Um, <clears throat> we're reminded that meditation is a witnessing, observing self-practice and very difficult concept to experience. You can understand it intellectually with that, you know, I see myself as the worrying person or I see, I see myself as the fearful person. And sometimes, you know, obviously there's, I see myself as the happy person. There's various versions of self that you can observe and you can see yourself separate. So I see myself as a runner who is also worried, uh, who is also feeling the wind on his arms, who is also thinking about relaxing his ankles, who is also feeling the sun on his face, who is also. And these multiple, multiple uh, selves, um, some of them are egoic selves, the self of preservation, self-preservation. Some are watchful selves. Some are, um, I don't know all the different words other than egoic, but uh, that form the personality, that form the self. And you can basically bounce between seeing those and just noting them. You can also go underneath them. And I do this when I run. I know this sounds very crazy, but, you know, what is beneath the worrying self? Well, the word... Worrying self is, you know, you worry ultimately that the pain is going to be a pop. Something's going to pop, and that's just going to shut you down from continuing. And wouldn't that fucking suck? Pardon my French. And, you know, so the question then becomes, okay, so in my visualization work, if I have a, a, a something that's coming to a head, uh, at what point do I just pull over and massage it out, stretch it out, stretch my hamstrings, and, and try to work through it. And that's something that I incorporated even in New York visualization, because in New York, you know, my fear was that my right calf would blow, and uh, <clears throat> I'd be in deep trouble, and then I'd have to pull over and maybe, you know, do some hamstring stretches to create some space in my hamstrings and massage out my 
calf muscle. So from that experience, um, I do incorporate into my visualization the what ifs and what my response is going to be. And, uh, you know, what I don't want to happen is, is I certainly don't want to create a, a predictive pattern. In other words, a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy that this is going to happen. So, no, I don't, I don't get into it too deeply. Um, but I, I also, it's also nice not to be caught by surprise by not thinking about it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm visualizing, for example, what happens if my, my water bladder breaks either before the race, during the race? Um, what will I do? I mean, after all, that's where my fuel is. So do I carry a container? And the answer is, yeah, I may actually carry an extra container just in case. I happen to have a one liter plastic container that would fit into my hydration tube, uh, just like my current one does, and made by the same company. That's why I bought the two liter. It's called Platypus, two liter platypus. I have a one liter platypus, and, the, and it's a thin plastic, and it basically just rolls up into, it's like rolls up into very small, uh, the one liter, um, to a little, little tube, almost like a Ziploc bag would roll up, um, very small. And uh, so I'm going to carry that. So that's visualization and getting deep into the different selves and how I can work both of them together so that I'm, you know, I familiarize my mind and my body with what's to come. So I think what's an interesting uh, next step of that is, you know, I say that we live a, uh, if we can live a life in just today, but how do we think about tomorrow? I think one of the issues becomes how can we use visualization and the worrying self with regards to what we have? So if we can see our book being finished, uh, we can see our uh, either creative project, business project um, being finished or completed to the extent that it needs to be. And we can kind of feel in our bodies what that feels like as well as see the finished result. Maybe it's a deliverable, maybe it's you know, a certain number of pages or it's a, a project that has to be presented. We can see ourselves presenting it. <clears throat> this is something that I think about and I do work on quite a bit and I find it to be, that is visualization, to be a very useful tool in <clears throat> beginning to live now towards the future self um, so that today I am in and I'm, I'm embodying, really feeling what, if it's a presentation, for example, what do I feel like when I'm done? And this is something that I did with exams during law school, um, visualization today, so that when the exam day came, um, I was already, I'd already been there, you know, dozens of times in my mind, and I knew exactly how I was going to feel at a certain point, midway through, getting up to go to a, in the bathroom, how I would, you know, if I caught myself in the mirror, I knew what I was going to look like and how my body was going to feel. And uh, this visualization process allows us to then embody that path that we want because as the mind goes, the body. Um, can't stress that enough. Um, so even as I lay here um, and I do my rolling, um, a, a slice of me is visualizing this body at uh, 26.2, at 21, at 18 miles, not my age, the miles. <clears throat> and uh, I am strong, I'm confident, 
and I am proud, and I am calm, and I am comfortable. Um, I am enjoying myself. I see myself with a smile. It is hard, but I am confident that I can just continue even just a little bit just by lifting my heels and by relaxing my abdomen, creating space so that my hips have a place to push their tension and my calves um, have a place. And my um, quads are not running this race, but my hamstrings are. So the more I can keep off my quads, and this may be difficult. I mean, the elevation is a bit of a down turn, downhill. So that, although that is, sounds great, um, it, is, it does put a pressure on a different part of your body. So I'm going to try to stay in the midfoot as much as I can. I mean, I don't want to be on the balls of my feet the whole race, which then puts a tremendous amount of pressure on my knees, which then puts a tremendous amount of pressure onto my quads. So <clears throat> thinking, bodying, visualizing, and also feeling what this muscle group feels like as the ball passes over it or under it. In this case, I'm sitting now with my right calf rolling over the ball. And, uh, you know, it is a hard ball, so it is pushing quite a bit of pressure into the tendon and muscle. I'm just hovering there, pushing down on the calf and the ball. No need to roll as much as just push, you know. <clears throat> I'm just going to squeeze the ball for a few moments. And let go, squeeze. And let go, squeeze. And let go. So that's about it. Um, that is where we are. It is Tuesday the 10th. I wish you a wonderful rest of the week. I will probably have some more updates and uh, stay in touch. Follow me at A-G-A-R-U-T-C-H on Instagram. And uh, happy running, happy walking, happy swimming, whatever you do to keep active.